everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast. I am your host, Anna Schmidt, and today I'm with Michael Dowd, the K-State Basic Needs Director and a candidate for student body president this year. Hi, Michael. Hi, Anna. Thanks nice for inviting me Nice to have you. On. Yeah, you too. Thanks for coming on. Um, so today we're kind of just, our goal is to let the listeners get to know the candidates for um, student body president. We'll be having on both of the candidates. Um, and we just want to get to know a little bit about you, a little bit about why you're running and what your goals are and things like that. So just tell us about um, where you're from and how you ended up at K-State to start. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Michael Dowd, originally from Spring Hill, Kansas, so just south of Olathe. Um, grew up with, uh, you know, going to my mom's side of the family. They had a farm um, in Hutchinson, and that's really what sparked my interest in, in agriculture. And so all throughout, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, um, I was always either in 4-H or FFA, raising pigs and, and competing in livestock shows. And uh, then that caught my interest in leadership. And so uh, FFA really sparked that and continued to grow it. And I decided to run for state office during my senior year of high school and was selected. And so that was kind of a natural tie into to leading me here to K-State. And so wasn't a whole lot of thought that went into my decision. Um, but the reason why I stayed um, really was the, the thing that, you know, I, I feel like I put so much more thought into. And it's it's because of the people. Um, it's because of uh, the culture that, that exists here on this campus. And, you know, the fact that someone could drop their books and there would immediately be um, K-Staters there to help them out. Um, so I think it's like, you know, the Midwest nice and uh, those small town values um, that are in a university where uh, it's it's a lot bigger than where I came from. Mm-hmm. Your hometown was, say it again? Spring Hill. So um, that's small town, like more rural or? Yeah. So it's in between Olathe and Paola. Uh-huh. Um, so kind of I, I think like the best way that I describe it is it's more of a suburban feel but we still had like FFA and okay a good amount of rural students yeah um, cool. so yeah smaller town uh-huh. um, but definitely close enough to KC that that you could still have a mix of both yeah yeah that's cool yeah. so as far as so running for student body president you don't technically have to be an SGA but it is um it's helpful, obviously. So um, how did you uh, get involved in, in Student Governing Associate, Association? And um, you can tell us about being Basic Needs Director. Is that the right title? Yeah, uh, yeah uh-huh. Basic Needs Director and um, your SGA experience, I guess. Yeah. So it really started um, freshman year when uh, a few individuals uh, who I had looked up to uh, reached out to me and said, hey, um, you know, you're obviously interested in leadership. And so this would be a good fit to make a difference on campus. And uh, then one of my good friends from high school, Noah Oxner, um, he, we weren't in the same high school. We were actually like seven hours apart, but through mm-hmm. FFA, we had known mm, each other. Cool. Um, he reached out to me and said, hey, why don't we run for Senate and, you know, like try and use our voices to, to make a difference there. And so uh, ended up going through with that, served um, as a senator and as the caucus leader for the College of Ag uh, during my sophomore year, and then also was on the privilege fee committee uh, during that time. And that was truly the thing that um, really excited me and lit me up because um, it was like, wow, we are making a difference. Um, and we made it a goal to try and um, 
you know, find creative solutions to, to save money um, without sacrificing, uh, you know, providing that money to students. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the term, we ended up cutting about a quarter of a million dollars um, just by looking into how the system worked. So really all of my experience on privilege fee um, and then decided, hey, why don't we get some experience in the executive branch? And so um, ran for, inter- interviewed for basic news director and was selected. And uh, that role really is very unique. Like serving on cabinet was so different than what I've experienced before. And it was a lot of like self-starting. Um, and my role in that regard is to, to provide input for Cats Cupboard advisory board meetings, mm-hmm. um, to also work with Riley County Food and Farm Council uh, and so I helped establish the CONSA student table um, or provide input to establish uh, that program. And then I volunteered there a few times. And then the main chunk of my time has been working to develop the Food Security Scholars Program. Uh, so and that has just launched and we had interview selections yesterday. And so we are ready to go with our first cohort. Cool. So what is that? The What was the name of it? Food Security Scholars Program. So, so yeah. What's that? Yeah, <laughs> it is a, we, we like to think of it as um, an extracurricular um, learning experience where students from graduate school and undergraduate school from all different majors can come together um, and not only have like planned type of curriculum experiences. So we meet every week for eight weeks this semester, um, but at the same time, they're also getting community group time. Um, where they can talk in small groups and reflect um, and really talk about uh, the issues of food security, poverty, and the hunger cycle. And like on top of that, it's a two-phase program. So phase one will be this spring, and then phase two will be um, focused around experiential learning. So actually going out and volunteering at different organizations um, and then coming back and reflecting on that and like mm-hmm. taking in our observations together. Mm-hmm. So Cool. Yeah. So... Um, the job you're doing on cabinet versus student body president is a little bit of a jump. So what made you, um, I guess, interested in the position and then, um, I guess, motivated enough to go through a whole campaign? We can talk about what all a uh, campaign entails, but it is a lot of work, a lot of time. Um, and then the position of student body president itself is a big commitment. So there had to have been a decent amount of push from someplace within you or other people. What motivated you? Yeah. So last year at this time, I was actually on the intercollegiate meets judging team. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's a very large time commitment. So mm-hmm. like we're literally gone every other week of school practicing and then competing. What um, was it? The intercollegiate meets judging team. Uh-huh. That's an agriculture. Yeah. So thing. it's in animal science. And basically it's like there are, there's probably five or so other schools um, that are big in meets judging. Um, and you compete against those schools for, for the top honors in the nation. Um, and so that was really great. And we had an incredible spring season. Um, and the more and more I kept thinking about it, um, you know, I had met with Sadie Paulson just to talk about like life goals and, and the future. Um, and she was chief of staff during Jansen Penney's term. Mm-hmm. And she said something to me um, that really spoke to me. And she said um, that when when you're in a leadership position like this, you go to bed thinking about very different things um, than the people around you. And I, I was thinking about how currently I was going to bed thinking about, oh, hey, how do I um, score the most points at the contest tomorrow? Right. And 
like she said, like I remember going to bed thinking about, oh my gosh, a student at this campus committed suicide. What else could I have done to make a difference? Mm -hmm. And that conversation really just like made me take a microscope to where I was spending my time mm -hmm. um, and what impact I was making. And it's not that Meets Judging um, wasn't providing that. It's just I realized that um, that time was better served making a difference at K-State. Um, and so I ended up calling Cameron a couple months later and <laughs> we had, gosh, it was probably a two hour long phone conversation. And we just talked about issues at that point. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment where it was like, yep, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. And this is who I want to be with as we um, tackle the rest of it. And so I guess the rest is history. Yeah. Cool. I have a couple of questions about that. But the first one I thought of was, um, yeah, within that phone conversation or within your time with Cameron, what made you guys decide to be running mates? And what um, about him do you do you like? Yeah, yeah. Cameron is the type of person who is so incredibly passionate about the things that he does. Um, K-State mm -hmm. Athletics is the prime example for me um, mm -hmm. because I have never known someone who has been to as many games as Cameron Coger. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's insane to me. Um, and his style of leadership, um, I guess our styles together, is really just to be the most approachable um, yeah. students that, that this campus has seen and, and you know, just from talking to him, I could tell that he had his finger on the pulse of K-State mm -hmm. um, and that us operating together um, made a really, really great fit because not only was he able to, to bring forth initiatives, but then at the same time, um, I could work on how do we execute those initiatives. And so I, I, I think it's just a really, really cool dynamic that we have going. And I think the other thing is um, I, we just it's the type of relationship where we can toss the ball to each other mm -hmm. as far as priorities and objectives and pick up right and then just execute it the way that either of us would have wanted. Um, and I think that's, that's really cool to see how we operate that well. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and then the other thing that I was thinking about was um, you mentioned just talking about issues, talking about um, the things that you guys found interesting or, Whatever. And um, so what are some of those things and what what issues do you most want to tackle if you do become student body president? Mm -hmm. Yeah. On that first phone conversation, we we put together like a page and a half document of just random things that we could notice and things that we wanted to change. And so narrowing that down, we really saw three areas um, and that's the intention behind like our three platforms, assembling, advocating, and advancing. Mm -hmm. um, assembling really just speaks to, uh, you know, the fact that we have this community at K-State that's so special. Um, but right now, due to COVID, due to um, all the events that, that happened regarding race relations, mm -hmm. um, that family has been broken apart and, and battered a little bit. And so our goal is to, to assemble and to, you know, foster more community. Um, and I can dive into specifics on that um, in a bit, but um, mm -hmm. advocating really is just about how how we present things to administration, like things that we can't directly change, um, but we can use our voice to to at least try and make a difference there. Um, and then advancing is is those specific initiatives that we have a difference to make and can implement immediately. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, what would you say is your favorite of your three platforms. Yeah. I really love assembling um, just because 
I, um, I, I have a very deep passion for interconnectedness um, and making sure that we feel a part of something bigger than ourselves. Um, and so one of the initiatives, I, I think the other thing too is I've enjoyed my time at K-State because of the opportunities that I've been connected to certain groups. Um, and I got connected to those groups because I had a friend who was in it and suggested for me to, to get involved in it. But not everyone has that. And, you know, we pride ourselves in having 500 student orgs on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, that's like having 500 cars. Like you really only drive one or two of them. Yeah. And that's what um, sells you and, and helps you um, form a community here. And so uh, we'd like to create an interest inventory survey um, so that students can put down what they're interested in and then it would automatically connect them and share their information with clubs who fit those interests. Um, So then, you know, we kind of foster um, more community and getting students connected. We'd also like to host student leadership roundtables. And we like this idea because it's kind of like an office hour where Cameron, myself and other student leaders um, from all across campus can come together and share conversations um, and talk about issues that that really matter. because I think oftentimes the individuals in this role become so enveloped in this role that they f- might not have their finger on the pulse of what students actually need and, and mm-hmm. desire to have. So our goal is to to not fall into that trap and to to make sure that we're connected. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, on Along that line, um, I would say that I have friends in SGA, I have friends outside of SGA, and it's interesting because when you're in SGA, um, it's very easy to like get caught up in the campaign, I guess air, co- air quotes like drama, like mm-hmm. there's sometimes drama, there's sometimes, uh, I guess there's just a lot to keep up with. It can be interesting. You can, you can really get into the campaign season. Um, and then there's friends who really have no idea what's going on they see maybe the instagram profiles they get they get followed by those profiles um they read a little bit about them and then maybe they'll they'll decide based on that or they'll decide based on who their friends know so i guess i wanted to kind of use this as an opportunity to um maybe have you talk about what all goes into like campaign season um like maybe talk a little bit about your team um and then I guess what really SGA or the campaign is doing for the average student um, and why they should be interested because um, I spent some time on SGA, limited amount of time, Mm -hmm. but I do think um, that obviously SGA has a lot to offer to the average student that they don't know about. So that was a long question, but you could start with what is, what all goes into a campaign? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I, I'd really like to start um, by saying that our goal is not to get elected. Our goal is to make a difference on K-State. Yeah. And so um, with that intent in mind, um, we've been very adamant about reaching ac- um, across to um, Vedant and Maggie's team and, and setting up our opportunities for us to connect and, and get dinner. And so, um, yeah, definitely want to keep that up because regardless of what happens, um, we have to make sure that the same initiatives and platforms get carried on regardless. Um, yeah, so that good work can get done. Mm-hmm. As far as what campaign like looks like, um, it, it's kind of a big, like, to me, I think of it as like kind of a, 
obviously it's a social media circus because of what you said between Instagram and like all the, the posts that get put out. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also so much about listening, um, and how we involve, um, different people from K-State's campus. And Cameron and I wanted to be very intentional to not, um, pigeon ourselves only towards people involved in SGA. Like we wanted to have good SGA leadership on our team, um, but SGA leadership only makes up a very small percentage of this, the student body. And right. so we need to be hearing from students who are not in Greek life, students who um, you know, are involved in different clubs on campus that, that isn't related to SGA. Um, and so we tried to be very intentional about how um, we reached out to people and heard their voices. And when we started coming up with platforms, um, we took a week and literally spent, I think we had probably 17 conversations um, with people on our team, just like 45 minute conversations with guided questions about like, what, what issues are, do you care about and what issues are close to your heart? And we saw some really, um, really close themes as far as uh, the things uh, that, that we were looking for and, and those related to, you know, how do we make sure that we create a community where all students feel welcomed and, and valued. And so um, I think the biggest thing is that, and the thing that we heard the most was, hey, I'm not an SGA. I don't think I feel qualified to talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to break that myth. We need to break down that barrier because, um, student leadership is not about being a part of SGA or not. It's about bringing your own experiences to the table and then us validating and acknowledging those experiences mm -hmm. and then moving forward to create a K-State that's better for you and better for everyone um, on this campus. And so, yeah, I don't yeah. know if that answered the second question. But. Yeah, no, that that's good. Um, my question wasn't very specific, but that's a, I like that. I like that answer. Um, just the idea that, yeah, everyone's opinions are, can still be valid or useful, um, even if they aren't the ones uh, with their feet on the ground and stuff. Um, that's cool. So um, with the social media topic, um, how has uh, it been having to do most of your campaign um, on social media or I guess, Another way to phrase that question is, uh, has COVID, have the circumstances of COVID made campaigning more or less difficult? Um, and what has that experience been like? Yeah, COVID's really given us more opportunities to be creative. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's it's as creative as like figuring out how to get campaign masks and t-shirts yeah. and offer those as, um, as merchandise. It's uh, also figuring out how do we get um, how do we take pictures of our team without all being together? Um, because I mean, that's just not obviously not a good look, nor is it, um, is it really the right mindset uh, yeah. for this pandemic? And so we had to be strategic and, and make sure that we were blocking out plenty of time to take individual photos. Um, and on top of that, I think, you know, if anything, COVID has allowed us to, um, yeah, find new ways to meet the same needs um, and to hear the same voices, but definitely in a different way than we previously did. And um, I think moving forward, uh, it's going to take even more creativity because we can't just walk into um, a Greek house and solicit and we can't just pop in at a student org meeting um, and say, hey, here's all of our platforms. I mean, those opportunities will exist, but it's going to be different and we're going to have to get even more creative as we 
um, as we continue to reach out. And I think um, the biggest thing is that we don't lose sight of what that means and why it's important. Um, the like the reason for us to visit at those meetings is not so much to just present what we have, but also to hear the concerns of students. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think you know that created an, another opportunity for us to to post the 158 ideas for K State. So mm-hmm. K State's turning 158 years old uh, this February, and we want to highlight um, the fact that um, student voices matter and our goal is to collect as as many of those ideas that we possibly can and then either connect people to work on those ideas or take those initiatives on ourselves um and because our experiences are limited like we we are two um students out of two stories out of twenty thousand, and yeah covid has helped us to realize that that is very much true and we have to continue to work past those barriers of, of isolation and siloism that, that could exist right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, Tell put it that way when I talked to him or it was on like a podcast I was listening to. But I think that something interesting about going through COVID um, is the like discovering of new ways to be creative and the discovering of all of the capabilities of technology like even though it's a bummer sometimes like oh we have to do it over zoom we have to do it Mm -hmm. this way or that way it's like proven to me how innovative people can be um and how adaptable we are and stuff like that um but you mentioned the the masks which i see have your uh what would you call it logo or yeah yeah, uh logo thing on it so i that made me think about a post i read on your instagram about the how you thrifted shirts or something yeah um so if you want to talk about that yeah so we i i was challenged last year um in one of my classes called global food systems leadership and in that class we talked about um okay we, we have the food system and there's a lot of food waste, but we also have the clothing system, the fiber system, and there's plenty of waste. Um, I mean, as, as Americans um, and just really across the world, far too often we buy clothes and then may only wear them once or twice um, or may buy them without thinking of the, the reper- repercussions that that has on the environment. And so our goal is to be part of the solution to, um, to find clothes that already exist and to not create more demand um, from from things that don't exist already. And so uh, we ended up going to Savers and we picked out just a bunch of neutral colored shirts, um, mm-hmm. got everything from like sweatshirts like this to turtlenecks to just blank white shirts. Um, and we think that that really highlights the uniqueness and the individuality of each student um, because like yeah. we're literally providing a shirt that no one else has and that it previously had another story mm-hmm. um, and now it has a different story on it because it has um, Dad Coger on it. And so, yeah, our, our goal is to, to highlight that uniqueness and really just showcase that, you know, we're trying to um, use what's already there in the system instead of create something else. Um, yeah, and we wanted to be really mindful of that as we as we worked uh, forward. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so we can kind of start wrapping up. I just have a few more questions, I guess. Um, 
one of them was, did you, going into the campaign, did you have any, um, I guess, what has your biggest point of nervousness or fear been about maybe running? Hmm. Or like a challenge that has come along? Yeah. It could be personal, like, um, I was just listening to Tell's episode from last year where he was in the same position. Uh, I didn't do it, but he he was interviewed by Pete and um, he had said it was it was a little bit difficult keeping up with schoolwork at the same time as um, doing the campaign. And I've worked on a I worked like in a small position on a campaign and mm-hmm. it can be a little bit of a time time well for you a huge time commitment but um energy commitment things like that yeah yeah it's definitely a whirlwind i think yeah biggest challenge that i faced and this is um pretty vulnerable um but last semester i got very burnt out at what i was doing um and i remember just feeling um because like the responsibilities were just stacked on stacked on stacked and i didn't have um, a very good mindset of, hey, I need to create boundaries for myself yeah. and make space for myself. Um, and so that kind of led me into this uh, like space where I um, and also one of my professors passed away. And so like it felt like there were just so many emotions that I wasn't unpacking mm-hmm. um, because I didn't have a good relationship with myself um, introspectively. Yeah. And so that really took me some time over winter break to unpack it and to finally feel whole again um yeah and to like really require myself to make time um to, to journal every night yeah make time to have a conversation with myself as crazy as that sounds no yeah um, it, it really helped me improve not only my self-talk but also like my self-confidence and, and realizing like hey um I've got this, like, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to be so, so much more honest with myself and forgiving of myself as well. Um, yeah. And so I think that moving forward has increased um, how resilient I feel. Um, and yeah, really was just kind of a turning block from 2020 into 2021. Yeah, cool. That's so interesting. That's something I feel like I've had a bit of a battle with my entire time at Mm K-State is balancing my responsibilities and also just when I fail to balance them, forgiving myself for it. And it's cool that you mentioned journaling because that's something I have always kind of been like, oh, well, do I have time for it? And making time for it has created more time in my life because I'm, I'm not like, I don't know, spending, spending time wasting my time doing stupid things because I'm mad at myself and oh I just need a break I just need to get on social media and forget about things um because I do have time for things Mm -hmm. uh but I I put a lot of time into my phone or things like that because I'll I'll kind of just want a little bit of an escape from all the responsibility well and we we kind of at least for me Um, numb ourselves with social media Mm -hmm. and with like the things that we consume and so um, yeah it it took a lot of self-realization to understand that oh hey I'm probably spending a lot of time on social media and maybe I should back that down and kind of make some time for me to unpack because otherwise those thoughts and those feelings just continue to fog up my brain and like now I feel like I'm able to be like hey I know I'm gonna unpack this tonight 
at eight, like eleven p.m. Yeah. when you start to go to bed. Yeah, um, and so I can make space for that instead of thinking about it all the time. Yep, so. yep. Just vaguely thinking about it yeah. all the time, but not, <laughs> not actually kind of letting it sink in and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what would you say some of your interests or hobbies are outside of SGA? Mm. And maybe, maybe outside of ag too, or maybe they they are ag related. Yeah. So lately, I've been. I, I love music. Music has been um, one of my passions. And like, I really think that's how I um, process and like also express myself is just by um, listening to music and interpreting it um, and relating it to experiences that I've had in my life. And so um, I started collecting vinyl records. Uh, I think it was over quarantine um, and just have fallen in love with like just being able to like physically hold something and then put it on there and start playing it. Um, yeah has has just been really good um also love scented candles that's just kind of been you know just light up a scented candle yeah. listen to some taylor swift and yeah and work on some stuff um that's kind of i don't know not really a guilty pleasure but um yeah it, i always say listening to taylor swift is my main personality trait yeah. my, my hobby <laughs> <laughs> what's your go-to um like album yeah i would say i really 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 love the new ones um folklore and evermore but yeah. i also really loved lover i mean i've always kind of been a taylor swift fan but i was a little bit out of the fandom during maybe like red in 1989 okay. but i still i still listened um but then i don't know I was going through something when Lover came out, so (laughs) (laughs) I just became obsessed, and then, um, yeah, I don't know. I've recently become more of a Swifty than ever, but yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Reputation Mm -hmm. is kind of the one that speaks to me, just because there's so much, like, bad girl energy that exists there. Yeah, Um, I like like that, too. But it's, also, like, soft at the same time, Mm -hmm. like, in a different way. Yeah. yeah, I definitely. It was like a year after it came out, but I got really into that album too. Yeah, mm, good stuff. Yeah, gotta love some T Swizz. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, outside of that, um, oh, Star Wars. I talked about this on uh, the radio interview too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I there there are very few um like television shows and uh like movie things that i really dive into and that's probably star wars west wing um and those two kind of just take up the majority of yeah of that time um because i feel like once i start something i have to like dedicate myself to watching all of it (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh. yeah that's cool that's cool. Um, well, one question I try to close out the episodes with um, that if you need a couple seconds to think on, you can, um, is I, I ask people, what is your favorite thing about yourself? Just mm-hmm. as a little kind of confidence thing, um, I guess, in an effort to acknowledge and say out loud, like, the cool things about ourselves. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I really appreciate that you brought up this question because I've had to remind my friends of this Mm -hmm. (laughs) quite a lot. Um, And I think, especially at this stage in our lives, um, we get into this mode where it's like, oh, I have to be self-deprecating all the time. Right. And that's not positive self-talk. Like, it's it's not exactly healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, the thing about myself 
that I appreciate is being able to, I, I guess my ability to connect with um, people who have very different um, opinions and beliefs as my own. Um, and like growing up in a very Catholic, very traditional um, household, mm-hmm. it was difficult for me to uh, to c- come out um, and to like feel like I was truly expressing myself. And mm-hmm. so um, I think those conversations really um, lit a fire in me to realize that we all have these different experiences and we all have these different sets of values. Um, but it's when we come to a table like without the anger and the aggression um, and really just see each other for who we are, um, that's when we're able to make meaningful change and to, to change perspectives and to make the world a better place. And so, yeah, um, yeah, I think just being able to remove that cool. is something I admire about myself. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. And um, I like, I love that answer. Um, and I've had like a similar experience um, in my life as far as background and, and maybe having different opinions than certain people in my life. Um, and something I've noticed is that, like, things are never, like, telling someone something that they're not going to like to hear or telling someone something that they're not going to agree with sometimes is not as scary as you think it's going to be. Yeah. Like, um, sometimes you tell people something that, that you think is their total identity and their total, like they could never accept someone who thought differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and they just say, okay. And they just still love you and will still be your friend. Um, and that's like a really cool experience as far as, uh, having different opinions because yeah, I think that having different opinions than people can be really scary. You build it up in your mind to be this big, like, contentious encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's just like, it's just not that bad and people are better than you think. And sometimes they're worse than you think. But, um, yeah, I think that disagreeing with people can sometimes be, uh, I don't know, help it, well, always a healthy experience and yeah sometimes a surprisingly good one yeah yeah i think about um my time being in a fraternity um mm-hmm. an ag fraternity specifically um and also having came out to that fraternity yeah um and realizing that yes there was a group of probably 10 or so people who viewed me differently who didn't want to be around me because of that who um, like still use the F slur and, and um, gay as a synonym for bad. But right. at the same time, there were also 40 people who came up, um, you know, and had more respect for me because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have to realize that like the bias that I have against people who come from traditional backgrounds um, and by traditional, I mean, um, you know, more rural backgrounds um, and also, you know, more religious backgrounds as well. Um, the bias that I have towards those people um, is is wrong in and of myself, and I, I have to be aware of that and work mm-hmm. to to work against that um, because there's so much more understanding that exists in the world than we'd like to think. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, well, on that note, I think a pretty positive note. We will close things out. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Michael, and thank you everyone for listening. <laughs>